Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. Our guest today is Jamie McKinney. Jamie is the best selling author of Speak Up Sister, the professional woman's guide to confidence and success, as well as a certified professional coach for businesswomen, a keynote speaker, and a virtual workshop leader. She ignites action by sharing key lessons learned while working her way up in the heavily male dominated industries. Recognized by the Denver Business Journal as a top woman in energy, Jamie jokes that her stilettos have steel toes. Jamie is fully immersed in her company mission to empower women to ditch doubts, speak up, and achieve the careers they deserve and desire. Jamie McKinney shares with Robert Noel about being a woman in male-dominated industries. She is working now to help women develop the confidence to play bigger, to act like equals, and get the outcomes they deserve. We need more voices at the table in leadership at all levels. Jamie wants to help women see the power of collaboration and step into their greatness to increase their impact. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us today. We are just so looking forward to this conversation. We love uh, women empowering women and we love encouraging women. And so any women that are out there working with women and, and lifting women up, we are uh, we are big supporters. Amen. I am so thrilled to be here and I feel extra special that I get to speak with both of you today and you have such an impressive uh, guest list on your podcast. So I am very honored uh, to be a part of this. Thank you for having me. Well, absolutely. Thank you for, for joining us. So we just start each episode pretty much with a guest sharing their entrepreneurial journey. And so we'd love to, to hear your story and what's led you to, to what you're doing today. Absolutely. Uh, well, I, it might, you might find it interesting that what I do today originally uh, was not my idea at all. Uh, I uh, <laughs> I had spent uh, all of my career in heavily male-dominated industry, and uh, I was in automotive, and I was in oil and gas. And if you know much about oil and gas, there's times that you're in it, there's times that you're out of it. You usually come back because it's a great industry. And in one of my quote unquote off seasons, um, I was actually working for a financial technology company in the roofing industry. So yet another <laughs> heavily male dominated, which just happened by accident. It wasn't something that I was seeking. And uh, when I was in the roofing industry, a magazine called Scale It, S-C-A-L-E, uh, approached me and they said, we've been watching you and we want to do a, a feature story about a strong woman in male dominated industry. We'd like that for that to be you, Jamie. And I said, oh, that's neat. And I'd never done anything like that before. And when the article came out, it garnered more of a response than I had anticipated. Um, I had a variety of women reach out to me and say, 
oh my gosh, I can't believe that guy said that to you or that you handled it that way or you know, that you learned this lesson. And when you said this, your words really resonated with me. And that was, it was sort of mind blowing to me that it had had that impact. And then that's when I also started receiving requests to come speak to women's groups, not on behalf of the, the company or the service that I represented, because I had been doing that throughout my whole career, but no, no, no. We want to know what you know, Jamie, about confidence and leadership. Um, and then that snowballed into every time I spoke, a handful of women would come up to me afterwards and say, this was great. I want to learn more. How do I buy your book? Which <laughs> was not on my bucket list. It was not a, I should do that someday sort of thing. But, you know, when the umpteenth person asks you, it's like, all right, universe, God whispers, whatever you want to call them. I, you know, I, I hear you screaming at me and that's, that's where everything started to, to originate. And it is continued to grow from there and such an honor and a, a privilege and a pleasure to do what I do. Um, similar, you know, similarly to what you do is that, you know, like all people have these powers and these gifts and these strengths within. And sometimes we just go through things where they, they get overshadowed. And so this is a way to peel back those layers and somebody goes, Oh yeah, that's me. That's me in there. And now I get to shine brightly. And so here we are, Robert and Noel, <laughs> here we are. Absolutely. Well, so I love, I mean, obviously there's some really incredible things in, in your journey. I, I love people that become accidental entrepreneurs. Like they get <laughs> pulled into entrepreneurship by, by clients, <laughs> by people wanting their help. Um, and, and so you, you start solving a problem, you start sharing your story um, and, and created your own demand <laughs> without even realizing it. Right. Obviously it's, it kind of happened accidentally. It, yes, it did. I mean, I always have had the entrepreneurial spirit in me. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, like popsicle businesses and, you know, stuff like that, I was always doing. Um, and I did, when I got my MBA in 2007, um, it did have an entrepreneurial focus, which I was mostly applying for the the startup or growth companies that I was in. Um, so it, it was quite helpful when it reached the point of, hey, this is your, this is your product. Um, to say, okay, cool. I know how to build a business plan. I know how to build a marketing plan um, and to start doing it for yourself. Although it's much different to do it for yourself than it is for others. Uh, but at least to have the the framework was very helpful. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs is choosing a market and choosing a niche and choosing the language to use to talk about yourself. Mm -hmm. But you started with all of that. And so your word, I mean, you mentioned that your words were resonating with people mm -hmm. and that in itself is really powerful foundation for, for building your business. A hundred percent. I mean, my, my avatar is a version of me. <laughs> so I, you know, I know her pretty well. I know the, the challenges that she's been through. I know the, the feelings of being in a room and you're the only one of, you and you know maybe you're also younger than everyone else and maybe you haven't grown up in the industry and you know there's so many which one of these things is not like the others you know thoughts and feelings but when you when you know how to shift your mindset to be able to stand in your power especially in that space you can switch from feeling disadvantageous to advantageous of because I'm different I add value instead of because I'm different, I stand out and, and I'm insecure. And no, 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 it doesn't have to be that way at all. But it does take some mindset work to to get to the other side of it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's a challenge for, for so many is the idea of 
being able to see your power as a power, right? Seeing your difference as a power rather than as a, oh, I don't fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what helped you make that make that leap? Um, there were a few things. <laughs> um, one of them is is realizing that even this, you know, especially very early in my career, uh, realizing that even though I wasn't the smartest one in the room, I didn't have the most experience. You know, in the case of automotive, I hadn't grown up in the industry, so I didn't have those stories of when I was in pigtails running around grandpa's shop and, um, you know, and these guys looked at me like, what is she doing here? And then, well, and sometimes they verbalize that in a variety of ways. Uh, and then also that I had a college degree and that was seen as a threat in some cases, because when they figured out, Oh, she was hired to be groomed to move up. This young chick could be our boss. I don't think so. <laughs> so you can, imagine some of the shenanigans and things. And what I figured out though, is that I didn't need to cater to everybody else's opinions. There were a few people in that room who recognized why I was there and what I was bringing to the table. And so I made concerted effort to develop a professional relationship with them um, as, as mentors, as allies, and to ask what's important here. You know, what, what do I need to know? And also learning that as long as I carried myself and led with confidence, I didn't have to be the smartest. I didn't have to be the most experienced. I mean, yes, I'd had to know my stuff. I definitely had to know my stuff. And in some cases twice as well as they did. Uh, but the beautiful thing about that is that I got to take that with me. <laughs> nobody, nobody could take that away. So I know sometimes that's looked at, well, why do I have to know it better than they do? Well, you can look at it that way, or you can look at it as I get to know it twice as well as they do, because I guarantee that's going to pay off in the future. So it was some of those things that helped me shift that shift the mindset. And when the people whose opinions mattered to me, the ones who were essentially making decisions about my promotions, that's when I knew I was I was making a difference and getting traction. And the part about where I didn't fit in or the people who didn't necessarily want me to be there, their opinions didn't matter as much. And I could step into my power and do it in a way that was confident, not arrogant. And there's you know, there's definitely a difference there as well. Can you expand a little on how you develop that confidence? Yes. So a lot of it had to do with my preparation going into a meeting. Um, I did not wing it. <laughs> um, when I So for example, I was um, invited into a team to do, we were, we were being trained as train the trainer uh, to talk to insure, or excuse me, to talk to collision center owners who were delivering continuing education credits to insurance agents, which is a which is a mouthful. So we can just say train the trainer. I was being groomed to, <laughs> to train the trainer. And everyone else who was in this course with me, seasoned veterans in the industry, knew their stuff. There was a specific presentation. Um, it was teaching people how to change a windshield, which I had never done. Um, and I had to, and we had to present, and we had to pr practice in front of everyone. Well, I took that material and I practiced for days and we were brought to Pittsburgh for this meeting and I practiced in my hotel room um, at five in the morning. I got on the elliptical machine the day of the session and I was practicing it, which someone said to me later, did I see you on the elliptical practicing your presentation? And I was, uh, yes, you absolutely did. Um, so a lot of the meetings, that's just one example, but I did not go in just expecting it to go well. I had 
rehearsed my talking points. I had said them out loud. I had practiced my posture. I had practiced eye contact. Um, I had evaluated who was in the room and who might stand in my way of success and who also might support it. And the one who would support it, there's a good chance that I had a conversation with them in advance to say, what are your questions in the meeting? Or, you know, what do you want to hear? And create some of that familiarity in those relationships. Um, confidence gets rattled in two primary circumstances. It's the unfamiliar and it's high stakes. And so anything that you can do to familiarize the unfamiliar is the remedy to that. So while I couldn't go in a time machine, you know, to, to be there and then to rewind and go back, what I could do is, is practice what it was going to be like to be there. And in doing so, I was familiarizing it and talking to the people who were there. So it wasn't the first time, you know, that I was face to face with them or the first time that we were talking about this. And it's not... It's not so much that in regards to high stakes, you can change the stakes, but the confidence that you bring into the situation influences the outcome. And so the stakes are still high, but the way you're presenting yourself has 100% impact on, on how things turn out on the other side. And that helps you embrace it rather than be fearful of it. That just reminds me of those uh, professional athletes that envision what they're doing before they go into it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the the Super Bowl was, you know, a few months ago, but, you know, Tom Brady, right, who's thrown, I don't even know how many passes at this point and, you know, GOAT and all the titles and all these things. I mean, he's still on the sidelines practicing his passes, visualizing and, you know, as, as mere mortals, non-professional <laughs> athletes, we can do these same things in our day jobs. Uh, and it's incredibly helpful. Well, absolutely. Well, and I, I Tom Brady's always my example for for coaches when, when it talks about, you know, obviously he's the greatest of all time and he still has a quarterback coach. Oh, and right. by the way, his, his quarterback coach has never won a Super Bowl, And so, you know, a coach doesn't necessarily have to have been where you want to be or where you want to go. A coach can absolutely, you know, basically I consider a coach is the, the eyeballs on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at your situation without emotion, without feeling, and, and I can say, well, you know, I can ask questions, you know, so did that arm angle work? You know, what, what, what was beneficial about the way you threw the ball? Right. And, and, and so it's always interesting to, to challenge some of the coaching stigmas out there of, you know, people want a coach that's an expert in their field or, and those are valuable too, but I think they're more on a mentor role versus, you know, versus a coaching role who's coming alongside somebody to, to help them get where they want to go. I, I completely agree. It's it's a coach is someone to hold up a, a compassionate mirror for you and, and ask you some questions about things that you may not have thought of because we all have blind spots. Uh, you know, all, all coaches have coaches or well, most co good coaches have coaches because they right. recognize the, the value in it that we all see things differently. And it's so helpful to, to hear what someone else or to see what, what someone else says and hear hear their opinion. It's a little hypocritical. A coach doesn't have a coach. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I, you um, know, and I've heard too, and you, I'm sure you, Robert and Noel, you've heard this as well that, that good coaches are PR representatives. Have you heard this? And that PR doesn't stand for public relations, but it stands for permission and reminders. Mm. A good coach guides you to give yourself permission to do something that like somewhere in there, you know that that you want to do it or you need to do it. There's just some sort of, of blockage and that coach helps 
you guide you guide you to giving yourself permission to do it and a reminder likely of something you already know does tom brady know to you know move his elbow a certain way or to make an adjustment absolutely he knows that but when somebody points it out it brings it to the surface because there's a lot of different things that he can do with his throwing arm mm-hmm. so that that kind of reminds me of the the power of borrowed belief Mm-hmm. And so how, how do you help your clients in that, in that idea of believing in them before they believe in themselves? Of how, I want to clarify your question of how I believe in them before they believe in themselves. Right. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. Great question. So it's funny because believing in someone's potential uh, is, is what we do as, as coaches, right? I mean, this is also, you could, <laughs> this is describing why my, dating life didn't work out for so long. And I didn't realize it until later is that I was dating potential, not reality. (laughs) That's so powerful. Like we, we have a, we have a living example. That's a good friend of ours that, that I've been telling her over and over again, that you've got to stop seeing the potential in this narcissist and start looking at the reality of, of, of his character, right? Is what he's really doing is, is who he is, not Mm -hmm. what you think he's capable of, Ooh, that's so powerful. Yeah, well, and it was a, that was the lesson I learned the hard way, right? Because it took a little while to to find my prince, um, whose whose reality <laughs> lined up, um, but who also is not a narcissist and who is interested in exploring potential. And that's a big thing when when clients come to me, and you know, there's a, a series of questions and qualifiers that I ask to ensure that they are open to that because the narcissist, for example, isn't going to be open to that. And in that case, we're not going to be able to help each other. Um, But for someone who comes with humility, uh, someone who comes with the willingness to learn, someone who comes with the frustration of, you know, there's this thing and I, you know, I see other people doing this. This isn't super complex. I don't understand why this is so hard. You know, I, I think I can get there. I just don't, don't know how somebody that comes with that mindset is very coachable. And I, as the coach, I'm going to say, yes, you can absolutely do this partially because it's just, it's, it's a default in me that I believe in people. And also at this point, I mean, I've, I can provide evidence of thousands of women who have had some of those same thoughts going into it. And once they, they got out of their own way, which is something that they often say, oh, I just had to get out of my own way. Um, They get to the other side, they're excited. You know, we're, we're fist bumping. Uh, I'm getting the text message, Jamie, I did it. Uh, or, you know, then, then there's the gifts going back and forth of jumping up and down celebrations and everybody wins. Um, so knowing what's on the other side, uh, is so important to, to those beliefs and saying, yes, I know you can do this. If you can trust me, if you can trust me just a little bit, we can experience some quick, quick victories, and then you can prove it to yourself and then look out world (laughs) as your momentum is going to be in fuego. (laughs) And that's so good. So you mentioned, obviously, your business kind of started by demand, <laughs> but once you made the decision to, to, to leap and, and do this for yourself, what has, what has helped you to generate leads and, and create that, that network of, of connections? Absolutely. Uh, so when I, so, so to back up a little bit, when all these ideas were coming in and then um, some other shifts in the universe happened. And so I was able to dedicate 
three solid months to writing my book, uh, which was great to have that focused time and the ability to do it. Uh, I had the initial manuscript and I hired a business coach, even someone who has an MBA with an entrepreneurial focus. I hired a business coach <laughs> and his name's Travis. He's an amazing man. Uh, and I said, all right, Travis, I've got this book. As we all know, one book launch does not make for a retirement account. Um, but also <laughs> yeah, <there's>, I wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> in a roundabout way, maybe, but, but one, one publication, probably not. Um, but I said, there's a lot of value in here. And, you know, so how do I take this and disseminate it and turn it into a business? So part of part of the, the lead generation came from guidance of my coach. Um, another part of it was really tapping into my network. And that's something that I'm always teaching is building your Mac team. Uh, Mac is an acronym that you will find inside the Speak Up Sister book that stands for Mentors, Allies and Champions. Uh, success does not happen on an island as we all know, and the more strategic you can be about surrounding yourself with the right players, the more you can leverage your network um, and and bring leads, bring opportunities to you while simultaneously returning the favor. I mean, I rarely ask for something when I'm not prepared to reciprocate, you know, even if it's a, a link to an article, oh, by the way, you know, I thought this might be interesting to you, or, you know, who you should meet is so-and-so. Um, so the spirit of reciprocity has also brought me leads. And then what, what is still in process, uh, Robert and Noel as entrepreneurs, you know this, there's never the, <laughs> the finish line. There's a continued journey um, is also systemization of it, of, of the lead process. And that, that, that itself is in process right now. Well, we are definitely sympathetic. We are continuously changing and modifying our lead generation tracking and well and it really shifted in our business because i built this business and started in 2018 really shifted to working with entrepreneurs in 2019 but it was all face to face all my meetings all my group coaching was done mm -hmm. in boardrooms in you know, around town in spaces and so obviously my my last group launch was march 17th of of 2020 and literally I sat in a boardroom alone <laughs> and, yeah. right? and, and, and my groups, are, you know, my existing clients transitioned so easily with zoom and with everything else, but I had no lead generation digitally. Like there was, there was nothing. And so it was, it's this last two years has been a big, a big wake up call. And I've learned some digital marketing lessons. Um, some that were expensive and some that were, <laughs> that were silly um yeah digital marketing is a is an interesting space of full of con artists and <laughs> and and dead promises but um because i've learned that i mean it's kind of like uh i tell my clients about their you know talk about accounting and one of my mentors the irs showed up with black suvs in front of his house and business and took all of his computers and uh -oh. and, and issue, yeah uh oh and, and it turned out that his accountant was not paying the employee payroll taxes. Hmm. He took all the money out of the account. And so it looked like he was paying those and filing the form, but the payment wasn't sent. And ultimately that, that still falls on the owner of the business. You're mm -hmm. still legally responsible for that, even though your accountant that you're paying <laughs> is committing fraud. And so you've got to know, you've got to learn accounting to the level that you need 
to be able to understand if this person is doing the job that you're paying them to do. Um, and that can be really challenging, but the same applies to digital marketing. And, and so if you're hiring somebody for, for marketing, you've got to know just enough about Facebook ads and just enough about YouTube and just enough about Google to know that, that what you're paying this person for is what you're getting in return. And it can be really challenging. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference between management and leadership, right? Because with leadership, your your primary the way you're primarily spending your time is doing what only you know how to do um and then the good old eisenhower matrix of do delete delegate you know what can i delegate or outsource for somebody who knows how to do it better than i do facebook ads are a great example um however <laughs> how can i read the information and have the proper transparency in order to ensure that there's nothing inappropriate or potentially illegal going on behind the scenes. I mean, the trust factor is, is huge. Well, for me, it was, I was getting a list of names, but they weren't very good potential clients. And so I got a big email list out of, out of my Facebook ads. So in one definition, it's like, Oh, look, I got you all these names. But on the other hand, if they don't become clients, I can't afford to pay for Facebook ads. <laughs> Right. Are they, are they a list of name? I mean, are they a list of, you know, your avatar or not? Because exactly. if it's giving you a list of, I don't even know what, you know, like grocery store owners or something, like maybe that's not your avatar, but if it's, <laughs> I mean, I could go out and get you a list of names tomorrow, Robert, but I'm not sure it's the one that would be helpful to you. Well, and that's the other, that's the other value of the niche, right? Knowing, knowing your niche, knowing your avatar and, mm -hmm. and, I, it's one area where entrepreneurs, especially solopreneurs really struggle to narrow down and, and really personalize it. And, and you mentioned that you were your avatar or at least a part of your avatar. And that's so powerful, right? Because mm -hmm. then your avatar is in your own head and you ought to be able to use the right language to, to communicate with them, which you were because even in your speaking, you know, people kept saying your words resonated with me. Oh, I just identify with with, with all that you're saying. And so that's, that's super powerful. Uh, I want to go back to the, to the Mac team. I love that, that concept. Yeah. <laughs> so can, can we dig into these a little, each of those three, a little bit, the, the mentors, allies, and champions? Yes, absolutely. So this is something that, that I, I came up with in, in my own career uh, because it was absolutely imperative for me to have these people in place. And now this is something that I, I teach inside my three pillars of leadership coaching program. And as the lean in movement and McKinsey, uh, they come out with a report every year, women in the workforce. And there are three things that are imperative to a woman's success working in the corporate world. Uh, one is creating visibility. Two is getting credit for your work. And then three, they say having a sponsor. Um, I agree that having a sponsor is imperative. Where I disagree, however, is that one sponsor is high risk because what happens when you've invested all your time in that one sponsor and they go elsewhere, which happens on a somewhat regular basis, I would say to, to clients that I've worked with. So to de-risk um, that you build your Mac team instead. So mentors are people who are a couple levels above you in an organization. And my advice is always shoot as high as you can, uh, aim as high as you can. Um, I had somebody say to me, well, I can't go to the C-suite, Jamie. And I said, well, why not? <laughs> why not? What, what's the worst that can happen? Um, because I have had women do that in a 
$12 billion company and wound up with a C-level mentor. I mean, just imagine what is going to happen in her career. Uh, and here's the thing. If this, if the person in the C-suite doesn't respond to you, no you big deal. And you, can, you have to be willing to ask. And the other thing is they may just respond and say, you know what? I don't have time, but may I recommend to you someone else who you don't even know, right? So now you've got a warm lead as far as a mentor and as entrepreneurs. Well, a powerful a, connection. A super powerful connection, right? Much, much stronger than just the cold, the cold outreach. Um, but even as entrepreneurs, same thing, you know, who, who is doing something similarly in your discipline, who's ahead of you, who's already been there, done that. I mean, reach out. Um, the ones who are willing to help, this is, there's a huge, and I love this about it. There's a huge pay it forward on kind of unsaid, unwritten mentality when it comes to that, that, you know, those of us who have, who have had success in our career and are very aware that we did not do this on an island um, I've had some amazing mentors and continue to leverage that and then are more than willing to pay it forward when somebody comes to you. I mean, I had dinner with a girlfriend on Friday who is in the who's kind of where I am about three years ago. And she was taking notes at dinner and I was more than happy to divulge <laughs> what I had learned. So, you know, find that person because when you connect, when they're when you connect with the right person and they respond and say, Yes, I'm so excited that you reached out, you just made a golden ticket connection. And it's up to you to make the connection. It's it's up to you to do that outreach. So, you know, the worst that happens is either you don't hear from them or they say no, which is that really, I mean, that's not so bad, right? We can, we can keep moving forward. Um, the best thing is that they say yes. They say no. However, I can recommend you to this other person and it can really create an entire shift in your career or in your trajectory. And, and it's always it's always good, again, in the spirit of having more than one, it's always good to have a mixture of internal to your company, external to your company, male and female, because I'm sure this comes as no big surprise to anyone, but men and women tend to see things differently. And so it's very helpful. <laughs> I know, shocker, right? It's very helpful uh, to have that other opinion, that other viewpoint. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner. Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson. Available on Amazon. Or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe. Leave a review. Tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. All right, I'm just going so to jump are, in because those are mentors. I think I think the the male and female viewpoint is is the reason why we need more more women voices at the table. We need more women in the C-suite. We need more women in the boardroom because because we've got all of these companies and all of these, including entrepreneurial enterprises that are happening, and and I think women are underrepresented. Obviously, minorities are underrepresented, and and we need those voices at the table simply for the perspective, simply for the viewpoint, right? So that they see things differently. That doesn't mean they see it wrong. That means they see it in a way that, that others don't. And when we bring both those perspectives together, isn't that more powerful? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's, you know, I love the, the, the parable of the, the three blind men who come across the elephant in the jungle. Are you familiar with this one? Nope. You're going to have to share it. So the three blind men are, are in the jungle and there's an elephant. And one of the men 
uh, encounters the elephant's trunk and he says, wow, you know, what, what is the, is it a snake? Is it a tree? I don't know what, what this is, but this is a very distinct, you know, object. Well, the other one encounters the elephant's ears and he's saying, oh, well, I, you know, I'm touching, it's, it's like a big leaf. It's something totally different. And then the third one um, is feeling the elephant's foot, you know, the, the toenails and there's variety to it. And, and they're all touching the same object, right? But they're viewing it, they're experiencing it from a completely different perspective. And that's such a, that's such a beautiful metaphor for how we are as humans. I mean, each of our life experience, even siblings, right? Even twins, even people who have grown up in very similar environments, our filters, our perspectives are different. And when we can have those conversations from a place that's collaborative, not contentious, but collaborative, and and open to seeing differences, hearing differences, again, on the on the side of humility, gosh, it's amazing how eye-opening that can be and how much bigger and better of a solution we can reach. But yeah, the myopic thinking of, hey, let's, I know, here's an idea. Let's get everybody that has grown up pretty similarly, you know, is the same race, age, gender, culture, you know, all these things. And let's just see how wonderful of a solution we can get. Well, I mean, I mean, you can have it really intelligent people, but I have to think that the solution is going to be more myopic than if there were more diversity in the group. Well, and I think the challenge has just been um, habit, right? This men started in the workforce and led the workforce. And, and of course, when they're in the position of leadership, they don't want their leadership threatened. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to think that the 80% of men that are representing leadership are all, you know, opposed to women being there. I think it's just the habit of the way the workforce developed. And, and of course, now they protect, protect their seats and some of those kinds of things that, and I'm sure you've experienced in oil and gas and, <laughs> and the automotive industry. And so mm -hmm. um, there, there definitely needs to be an openness to the conversation and, and a willingness to, but at, at these levels, it's about power and control. And, and whenever we're, whenever we're talking about power and control, we're going to put up defenses and, and protect our positions a little differently than if we're, we're open to, you know, the possibilities of, you know, collaboration. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But see, this is where there's such a great opportunity because those leaders who are centered in their confidence, not in their insecurity. And what I mean by that is that they know their strengths. They know what they're good at doing. They know what they can do that nobody else can do. And then they're also surrounding themselves with people that it's like, hey, account. I'll just use your example, Robert. Accounting, not totally my jam. However, I appreciate its value and I need to know just enough about it. Right. But I'm not your expert. I'm your expert in this, not that. And that's a sign of confidence. So bring somebody to the table that knows something you don't know, because when you can do that from, from your standing in your power, that's a much greater position to be in than try, instead trying to say, nope, I've got this all figured out. I want to surround people who can't with, you know, who won't see through me. Well, don't see that that's a mindset shift. Is it seeing through you or is it complementing your efforts? And, and being honest and forthright about that and using that as an opportunity to be the strongest at your strength. Now well, you don't have competition. We've all seen leaders that surround themselves with yes men. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> that's going to feed your ego, but is it is it going to feed your bottom line at the end of the day? I mean, maybe, maybe not, but right. It's, I, you know, there's, there's different leadership styles. I don't recommend that one, but. <laughs> oh, I didn't, I'm not saying I recommend it. We've just all been witnesses to it. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Oh. We still got to finish. Well, they go. All right. Now, see, that was mentors. So now you got to talk about the allies and the champions. Yes, allies. So uh, if you are familiar with the game of chess or, you know, maybe you watched the, the Queen's Gambit on Netflix oh. over, over the pandemic. <laughs> nice show. Um, yes. Uh, the You know that the the pawns are your first row of the pieces and then the back row has seemingly stronger, uh, and I don't even know it well enough to say, are they characters, pieces? Uh <laughs> The back row has the stronger pieces, you know, the queen, the king, the bishop, the rook, they can make big moves. Um, and so we seem to equate them with having the most power. Those pawns, however, even though they can only move one little square at a time, a proper move, a strategic move by a pawn can block you from an opponent and can simultaneously open up an opportunity. Think about your allies in the same way. They don't, they're not as high level, right, as, as mentors. They may not have the big title, but your allies are at a similar level to you, either on the org chart or where you are in your business. And small things, again, like when you're preparing for a meeting, if you want to build and boost your confidence going into a meeting or presentation, if you have a known ally in your meeting, how, how helpful do you think that is? If you know there's somebody in there that, like Noel, let's say you're you're in one of my presentations, and there's a, also a gentleman in the room that has historically challenged me, has just brought up questions at the wrong time, or you know has has been difficult. We've all we've all had that person, right? So I've got my strategy of how to manage. But if I also know that you are in there as my ally, and when he says something, and you can speak up and say, Jim, you know, did you mean that, or did you mean this? Because Jamie's point was that, or you know, you can also ask the, the question at the strategic time or, you know, an ally has your back. It's all you can think about your ally as a, as a doubles partner because you simultaneously have your allies back. So in in that same meeting, Noel, maybe you were to share your opinion and someone else were to say, ah, what are you talking about? Then that's my role to say, Noel, that was such a great point. If what if I understand you properly, you said this. So we have each other's back. It's subtle, right? It doesn't necessarily seem planned, but it's one little move that can be extremely helpful. So it's other things in meetings, like someone pipes up when you've been talked over <laughs> and says, I don't, I don't think everybody heard Noel's point. Noel, that was really smart. Will you say that again? Uh, it's someone who has your back outside of meetings. It's also someone that after you've, you've presented or you've had a role in a meeting that outside of it can share feedback with you in a safe, comfortable space and say, hey, you know what? This part, you crushed it, nailed it. Do it exactly that same way next time. This part, I don't know, your confidence dropped. What happened there? How can we strengthen you next time? So an ally is that person. It's it's a very reciprocal relationship that you have where you're, you're helping each other. You're lifting each other up. You are a team and that's helpful. And tell you what, a strong ally, especially when that's known, um, that is also helping to to impact and increase your efficacy. Yeah, they no matter what role that you're in. Yeah, they can support you when you're not in the room. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that's that's your ally. Um, and then your champion. Champion, you can think about in a few different ways. A champion also will help you outside of the room. Um, a champion is someone who is usually higher up or you know has influence, who has clout when they say something. People listen. I mean, just generally speaking, Oprah, Brendan Burchard. I mean, some of those, you know, those people, when they say things, I mean, at this point, 
they're so well respected. They could probably say something false and everyone would still still believe it and go right. along with it. So your your champions have that same type of influence. And this is all about using your powers for good, not evil, of course. Um, and you can in some ways think about your mentors as a pipeline to your champions. Um, at, at some point, your your relationship with your mentor will run its course. You know, whatever skill or whatever you were developing with your mentor, you know, you'll fall out of that meeting on a regular basis. But now that that person has had the opportunity to know you, I mean, they've seen you on your good days, they've seen you on your bad days, they're still going to advocate for you and champion for you. And a, one of the best examples I have of this is um, one of the women who who went through my three pillars program, she <laughs> called me one day and she said, you're not going to believe this. And I was like, ooh, try me. I love it when when conversations start out that way. And she said, Jamie, I had not one, but two promotional opportunities handed to me today on the same day. She had wow. not sought out either one. And as we unpacked it a little bit more and I said, well, you know, who handed you these opportunities? And it occurred to her, both of these people had been her mentors at some point earlier in her career. Not still formally her mentor, not meeting with her on a regular basis. I mean, it had potentially been a few months that had gone by since they'd even come in contact. But these positions came available. They were at a, at a place in the org chart where they could see them and said, you know who would be the perfect candidate for this? Hmm. You don't know and who's two watching. on the same day were handed to her. So she was like, so now I need your help in deciding <laughs> which route to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You never know who's watching just like our, you know, our kids those above us. I mean, I'm similar in my job, you know, noticing that realizing that people above me saw what was going on. Um, and it is encouraging and inspirational when you, when you notice that. A hundred percent. With all the success you've had, what is currently your biggest challenge? Biggest challenge. Uh, the biggest challenge, uh, kind of going back to what I was saying at the beginning about the the lead generation, and I'm just I'm working on the automate automating and systemization of the lead generation and the scaling side of things. I mean, I've I've been very blessed to hit capacity for what one person can do, and so now I'm working on infrastructure and systems um, so that this message can be delivered to more people. So that's, you know, there's there's time management in there. There's evaluation of different resources. Uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, there's always shiny objects. And here's the one system that will turn your program into seven figures overnight. And, you know, I, some of those, I, I mean, I don't believe in overnight, but some of those are, uh, there's a lot that are successful. Like you said, Robert, you know, there's a lot of fraud out there, but there are some that are successful. And so the challenge right now is, is evaluating to choose what's right for my brand, my business, uh, my my budget. Absolutely. All right. So on that note, let's talk about your book, uh, Speak Up, Sister. And what's been the impact? What's been the, um, I mean, obviously it it launched your business. And so, yes. <laughs> so, so, so let's talk about how it's, how it's helped and what, what it's, you know, allowed you to do. It has, well, it's not so much what it's allowed me to do, but what it's allowed others to do. And I had never written a book. Like I said, it was not on my bucket list. And so I have been, I mean, I've got goosebumps right now. I have been blown away at the feedback that I have received. I mean, early on, I was joking around that there's some people who've made more money off of my book than I have because they implemented what they learned, got a promotion that came with a, a five-figure increase in compensation. <laughs> and from the spirit of abundance, that absolutely thrills me. Um, the other 
I mean, there's other pieces of just Jamie. I was laughing out loud and relating. Um, I there was a woman uh, in her 60s who had lost her husband. She read the book and she said, you know what? I decided to take a road trip on my own. And I've never done that before. Um, all the way down to I was terrified to give presentations. Uh, but I read that last chapter in your book. I prepared just like you said. Oh, my gosh. Not only did it go really well, but the CEO came up to me afterwards and said, good job. So, I mean, there's just, there's so many uh, examples and stories of the ways that, that readers of the book have implemented uh, the information that's in there. And that makes me smile ear to ear. I mean, it, what what more could you want from something like that? It's, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, words on paper translate into action and that's how you build confidence. I mean, confidence is a belief that you can and courage is the action that you take to prove it to yourself. And this book is very action oriented. I mean, I loathe busy work and I loathe wasting time. <laughs> and this book is not designed for that at all. At the end of each chapter, there are key takeaways. There are actions for impact. Some people might call it homework. I call it actions for impact because I don't think we really look forward to homework, but actions for impact are motivating. Um, and then there's a spot to write. I commit to this. And so it's again, but you know, it's, it's proving it to yourself, right? I believe in you, but you've got to believe in you. And so take this one little action. I promise you'll prove it to yourself and then you'll go, Oh, <laughs> now I get to do this bigger thing. Well, that's fantastic. Love testimonies that say, you know, more women have made more money with my book than I have. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I say game on. Um, and the book is also, uh, I mean, it's, it's been recognized. It's on eight bestseller lists. Uh, I'm going to a women's summit in Ohio in a couple weeks. It was selected as a, a featured book um, at the summit. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's still just the beginning for, for what the book has done. Awesome. That's so, so good. All right. So how has gratitude served you in your personal growth journey and, and how do you encourage others to practice? Oh, huge, huge. Uh, so when I was in second grade, I made my first communion <laughs> and that was when my mom said, you are going to write thank you notes to everyone who gave you a gift for your first communion. And so remember when you use those pencils that were, the, the diameter was bigger, right? Cause your fingers were little. I remember writing thank you notes with that, with the, the bigger pencil. And that is a wonderful habit that my mom instilled in me, which I still have to this day. And you know, we obviously didn't have email back then. Um, and, you know, the, the art is slightly lost. Uh, but gratitude, um, just, I mean, thank yous are so important. I mean, that is the way that you reciprocate what the universe has given you. Um, and it's not that you do it to keep it going. You just do it to be a good person. And then the byproduct of that, I believe, is that it, it continues to go. And something that I learned uh, in 2015, I was on a two-week seminar about empowered thinking and higher level learning. And one of the things that they shared with us, a, a practice to put into place was every night before you go to bed to write down seven things you're thankful for that day. Wow. And I will confess that I don't necessarily write it down, but I do make a point to think about it and reflect on what are seven things. And this is now seven years later and I'm still doing this. And it's such a great way to end your day and to call out the things that you're thankful for. I mean, it's easy for a day to go by and to go to bed and to wake up the next morning and just repeat without reflecting. But that reflection on, gosh, I'm thankful this happened. I'm thankful that happened. Um, in some case, I'm thankful I made that mistake because I learned from it. 
Uh, it's just, it's, it's a habit like anything else. And, you know, gratitude is abundance and it's impossible to have a fearful mind. It's impossible to have a negative mind when you're in the space of gratitude. And so it's, it's conditioning mindset every day. Mm, so powerful. So you two are going to be on my list tonight, just so you know. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank you. So obviously you're speaking, you're teaching and, and helping people design a life that they love. What, mm -hmm. how, how does that, how does that work? Right. How do you, how do you help somebody picture this abundant life? Yes. So a, a big part of it is, is calling the shot. Um, you know, what is it that makes you happy? We go through a, I go through a goal setting exercise uh, in the coaching program. And I always make the joke that two guaranteed ways to make my audience roll their eyes and groan is to say either now we're going to role play or now we're going to set goals. <laughs> right. And in this case, however, I, I encourage the ladies, they stick with me on this. Trust me, because I promise this will be goal setting in a way you haven't done before. And I know Robert Noel, you have something similar that it's, it's heart centered uh, goal setting, not head centered. Um, and this is similar. It's really, it's, it's backing out of what you think you should do or what you've been told. It's, it's peeling back some of those layers and it's saying, you know, if we were to fast forward six months from now, five years from now, what are you doing? And you got to step out of your perfectionist brain just for a little bit. You can go back if you want, but step, step out of that for a second. So we're not going to think about the how, just the what, without any parameters, you know, picture yourself in a hot air balloon and you just dropped all the sandbags and now you are floating. What does that look like? And once somebody can get in that space and name that, then we reverse engineer which often appeals to my ladies because they work in technical industries. So if I say we're going to reverse engineer, everybody's like on it, on board with this. <laughs> then we reverse engineer how to get there. And what often happens is that something that was originally thought of as a five-year goal becomes like a five-month goal or the timeline gets very shortened when you can gain the clarity. So those are that's some of the, the secret sauce inside the, the goal setting. Our universe loves clarity. Show does. And it's, I mean, and from a, from a neuroscience perspective, that's your reticular activation system at work. I mean, it's, it's your brain starts to gather evidence to prove what you told it you wanted to do. Well, that's why clarity in your language, clarity in your niche, clarity in, in your messaging, clarity in your goals all starts to align and, and really great things start to happen. <laughs> Yes, very true. Which doesn't mean there won't be hiccups, <laughs> right? Or unexpected, unexpected interruptions. However, when you can stay in that mind space, you know, the way the way I like to describe it is when you set a goal, it's not getting in a car and driving in a straight line. It is putting yourself in the captain's chair of a sailboat. And as you know, a sailboat does not go in a straight line. It tacks, you know, in a zigzag formation from from the shoreline to your destination. And when you think about your goal setting in that same way, like, hey, there's going to be unexpected bursts of wind and some things coming at you. But good news, because you're sitting in the captain's chair. Now you get to adjust your sails so that you can navigate with the wind, not against it and still work toward your goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Very few goals are a straight line. I think the biggest thing that happens is that mindset shift when you do end up against the wind it's for a shorter period of time, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not, Oh no, I'm stuck against the wind and there's no chance. And I quit. No, now it's okay. I'm stuck against the wind. Oh wait, 
wait, I know what to do, right? Jamie told me what to do. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Adjust those sales. Well, and it's also, it's, it's taking a step back and looking at it from the objective perspective of what can I control here and what can I not? So uh, because that's a, that's a big uh, way that we we peel back some of the self-learning beliefs is self-learning beliefs are often centered on the parts that you can't control, <laughs> which is a losing battle. Whereas when you can shift your perspective to what you can control, now you can do something about it. And back to the action and confidence are, are highly correlated. All right, we'll take that action. It doesn't have to be huge. You know, like Martin Luther King said, I don't need to see the whole staircase, just the next step or two. Take that next step. Um, now you're back on track. You adjusted your sales. You're still you're still moving along. Mm, so powerful. Jamie, what inspires you? Mm, so many things. Uh, breaks. <laughs> breaks inspire me. <laughs> It's, it's amazing uh, how when I'm on my road bike or a run, I mean, the ideas come flooding in, right? And I'm trying to dictate <laughs> messages into my phone. Um, breaks inspire me. Um, the success stories of my clients inspire me. Um, seeing someone who thought she couldn't and then realizing, proving that she could. I mean, I, I have chills all over my body right now just thinking about it, let alone when I hear about it. Um, so, I mean, if I had to narrow it down to two things, I would say people who have experienced success, who have stepped into their power, who have believed in themselves and giving my brain room. Those are two things that inspire me. That's so good. <laughs> I like it. All right. So we're going to, we're going to take a risk. This is, this is typically the hardest question. Um, <laughs> what, what was your most memorable date? I, I thought that might be coming. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it was with it was with the one who who wound up being the one, not the one who was selling himself short on the potential. Uh, <laughs> I, I met my now husband uh, Memorial Day weekend of 2013, and so a few weeks later, it was summer solstice. It's one of my favorite nights of the year, and we we live here in, in Denver, Colorado, in the Rocky Mountains, and so we drove um, to a spot. I think we were in in Genesee, maybe. Um, basically as high as we could get um, so we could see the the sunset set as late as it does you know behind the mountains and that was definitely a memorable date and one that we have made a tradition and we've we now do every year we sometimes we go to the same spot sometimes we find a new one um, this past year we, we set up my husband's truck and had the dog and had a little barbecue and a few beverages and watched the sunset and it's been really really special and a nice tradition in our relationship Nice. Used to be able to park on Lookout Mountain. It's not doesn't have as many. That's where we were this year. We went to we were at the uh, Buffalo Bills gravesite parking lot. It's I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, we we it's had just one up of, the street from us. We had one of our first dates at Lookout Mountain. Oh, well, there you well, maybe we'll have to meet up on summer solstice next year. <laughs> Our, ours was 30 years ago, though. <laughs> so even better. I love, love it. Yeah, obviously, I mean, it. it there's, there's not very many cities that have a point above the city where you can see the entire city. And, and so we are so blessed by that. And of course, blessed by the the mountains and the the opportunities that, that we have to explore nature. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely one of our our joys is to to get out and see trees and grass and and green and rocks and rivers and all those yes. fun things. So breathe the fresh air. 
Uh, so let's go back back to thinking about work and just your life. <laughs> How has um, routines helped you, assuming you have some? Rout well, yeah, I mean, discipline is what I would call routine. Um, I have a, a year or a word for my business every year. Um, last year, that word was focus. Uh, I mean, building a business is no small task. And so the discipline uh, to say no to a variety of things so that you can keep your eye on the on the prize and say yes to what you want is incredibly important. Um, it's so easy for calendars to get layered. Um, and so routine has been incredibly important in in reserving time and strategic space to, to build a business. Um, the, the absence of that would be disastrous and a, probably a big waste of time. Um, but also knowing that everything doesn't have to be routine. Um, leave, like I said, the, the inspiration for me comes in those in those breaks and the creative space in my brain. So it's kind of a combination of routine plus more open-ended time. All right. So how important is play and fun? <laughs> it's highly, highly important. <laughs> I mean, when I moved here from Ohio, I remember two weeks into it, I called my mom and I was like, mom, this is an outdoor playground for big kids. <laughs> There's so much to do outside. And, you know, you start to accumulate all the toys, which are far more expensive here than they were in Ohio. And they're seasonal. Um, it's super important. It's, I mean, that's, the endorphins are are huge. Um, just the neurochemistry, again, the, the fresh air, getting your body moving helps your mind stay in a healthy space. It's very, very important. Yeah, I mean, you talked about the creativity coming when you're out on your bike and it just, I mean, you gotta have, find that place and, and we're, we're all different, but we all need that time to, to get away from our normal, to, to let our brains absorb and give out that, that next big idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the thing that's fun about physical accomplishments and, you know, especially if you've been uh, if your physical activity has been reduced for a while, like it's just it, that helps also prove to yourself what you can do, you know, when you do something hard. Um, so it's great. I mean, the mountain, we have such a great opportunity. I mean, just walking up a mountain can be like, wow, <laughs> you know, let alone hiking or running or, or riding your bike up it. But it's it's all interrelated. Body, mind, soul. Oh yeah. And there's so many ways, so many areas and places to, to get out in, in this wonderful city and state. Yes. What is the big dream? Oh, the big dream. Uh, the big dream is that all voices, I mean, my, my niche is, is women and girls, but all voices are heard. Um, that when you have something to say, especially if you can feel it in your chest, in your stomach, that, that it comes out of your voice. I mean, when I was writing my book, I was reflecting one day on something that literally took my breath away. And it was that if throughout history, if all women and girls had had the confidence, had, had been in a space where they felt safe enough to share the idea that they had, if throughout history that had happened every time, just imagine how different our, our world would be today. Oh. And right. I mean, is that like chills? <laughs> and so my dream is that all the voices are heard. All the voices are heard that there's no that there might be fear when you're speaking up but that doesn't prevent you from doing it oh that's so good jamie thank you so much 
one last question. You've been sitting with these entrepreneurs listening for an hour and you want to leave them with Jamie's words of wisdom. What would you share? Yes. So be brave, be bold and be you. And whether that's introverted you, whether that's extroverted you, just authentic you, whatever you need to do to surround yourself with the right people, do the physical exercises, the mental exercises, hire a coach, be brave, be bold, be you. The world needs to hear your ideas and your vision and your passion. Don't hold it in. Be brave, be bold, be you. Yeah, thank you so much, Jamie. It's been a pleasure listening to your story and, and learning from you. Likewise. Well, it's such a pleasure to, to be with the two of you. Your energy is contagious and I am honored to have been in your sphere here today. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Jess Bonasso and Robert have a great conversation about how women have too long allowed their identity as nurturers to subservient themselves. They need to set boundaries. They need to take care of themselves and they need to shift from codependent to interdependent to create the collaborative relationships we were designed for. She wants to help women rise up and be awakened to their possibilities.